0: Today's Bible reading today comes from Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read the whole chapter. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he rose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentation. Weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. There was a phrase that I always feared when I was a kid. It was the phrase, um, just wait till your dad gets home. That means that things had not been going well all day long, that I had not been hearing my mother very clearly and understanding what she was hoping for. And yet she didn't seem, at least when I got to a certain age, she didn't seem to have the authority to bring the pain like my dad did. And so sometimes she would give me a warning, you just wait till your dad gets home. And I can remember one particular time when my dad came home and I knew it was about that time and I was hiding under my bed, um, assuming he wouldn't find me there, I guess. So, um, fear, fear has a very powerful, um, hook on things. And I, um, you, uh, may remember this line, um, a famous line that Franklin Roosevelt in his 1933 inaugural address shared with the country. It was a time when the Great Depression was sinking in on the land. Um, fear was sweeping over the country. And he said these words in his um, inaugural address. He said, this great nation will endure as it has endured will revive and will prosper so first of all let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself nameless unreasoning unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance Regardless of your opinion on the policies that came out through Roosevelt's leadership does not negate the truth that he was sharing when he was talking about the power that fear has over people. When he said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, he was speaking truthfully as to how powerful it is. Um, It is so powerful that we find in the scriptures the concept of do not fear or fear not is the most communicated concept in Scripture you will find. Continually, God tells His people to fear not, to not be afraid, to not walk in fear. We find the exact phrase, do not fear or fear not, more than a 100 times in Scripture, and the concept, many, many more. And yet, fear is one of the most often felt emotions. It is a sharp emotion. It's one that drives people People continually fear the uncertainty of the future, the thinking about the future, the planning, all that goes in to um, our emotion of fear. Um, it, it is so present. Um, there's three pitfalls with fear that I want for us to observe today as we look at this um, passage of scripture, and as we round out our series, the Christmas present series, and today we're going to be looking at the feared presence, and we're going to be particularly focused on King Herod, because King Herod was operating in fear. When he uh, got the news about this newborn king that was born, this king of the Jews, and he went into total defense mode, Um, he went into deception, he went into bribery, um, he was doing everything he could to do what uh, he needed to, to eliminate this threat to his kingdom, his perceived threat. He was operating in fear. So what are the three pitfalls we're going to mention as we look at this passage? Well, the first is that fear distorts the facts. Fear distorts the facts. Herod, he is often often called Herod the Great because there was a few different Herods in the scriptures um, that were related to Herod the Great. But Herod, um, he operated like many rulers did in the day where um, your kingdom was threatened by someone who was stronger or had more people behind them. And so um, there was a lot of killing. There was a lot of people doing backdoor deals and creating um, a, a lot of sabotage and putting the wool over the eyes of the other. And so Herod was operating like most kings did out of fear that his kingdom could be snatched from him. Much of his life was lived with fearful suspicion that someone was rising up against him. In fact, um, Herod was so ruthless that he had one of his wives killed because he thought that she was rising up against him. Um, He had a few of his children killed because there was thoughts that uh, they were rising up against him to take his uh, control and the authority. Um, He was put in charge by the Roman government. If you were to know anything about history at this time, the Roman Empire had been expanding, um, taking over much of Europe and into Asia. Um, there was a whole lot of, of region called the Roman Empire. So with this expansion of the Roman Empire came different people groups that were all part of the Roman Empire. One of those people groups being the Jewish people. A lot of the, Most of the Roman Empire looked down on the Jewish people. Um, they were kind of like this annoying, um, subtle, side group of people that they had charge over Herod having some Jewish uh, roots in his family and um, through some negotiations. um, at one point um, he was even on the wrong side um, of what he thought was going to be the powerful group that was going to rise up in the Roman empire. He was supporting one side, that side got killed and he groveled to the other side and somehow um, was able to find enough favor that he was put in charge of the Jews. He was put in in charge of the, the Jewish area. Um, of Israel. And so he's over there, uh, but he's always frustrated. He's always looking to um, all of the other elite kings and rulers within the Roman Empire. And um, he was always kind of like, on the outside looking in, um, always had his guard up. Um, You might say that he was king of the nerds. He kind of felt that way about this group of people that he was in charge of. Um, So this is the backdrop that we have going on in Herod the Great's life and why he responds so immediately that there was a threat against him when he heard the phrase, we have come to worship this new king of the Jews. Um, so I'm going to read a couple passages that show us that the the truth or the facts were not heard and they were distorted and he rushed to judgment. The first thing is Matthew chapter 2 verse 3 when it says when Herod the king heard this he was troubled And all Jerusalem with him. They probably, all of Jerusalem was troubled. Probably because they knew that, uh uh-oh, King Herod's all up in arms again here. He's freaking out. And they are probably troubled because he was troubled. Um, Verse 13 says, Now when they had departed, the magi, the wise men, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared. Uh, appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, um, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. And listen, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So the angel had to warn Joseph about this um, fear-driven king of the Jews. We also find in verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who, who, who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Herod took no time to figure out the facts of anything. He simply jumped to destructive conclusions. Do you have a tendency like that? Jump to conclusions based upon... Um, information that's partial. um, Well, that's definitely Herod. And a lot of that comes out of fear. When we do that, when we jump to conclusions, we're concerned that we're losing footing, that we're losing some control of something and we jump all over it. Is fear making you neglect to learn the facts or keeping you from seeing things clearly? Um, If you need some Examples, I want to encourage you to look at just about everybody's opinion about the last two years with coronavirus and presidential elections and the way everything's going, because pretty much everyone's arguing on both sides of the thing out of fear. Fear, they're grabbing any little fact they want, they don't look look at all the rest of the facts, and they just spew out their opinion based on very little facts. Um, It's based in fear, because uncertainty about the future is so prevalent. Um, Fear only sees how you've been wronged that's that's the way fear works it looks it, it immediately causes you to look how have i been wronged or how am i about to be wronged and then it makes choices and it and it makes conclusions and so Herod he hears this new king, this new born king of the jews and immediately how can i destroy this one he's a threat to my kingdom. Because this is the second pitfall we find with fear fear causes a person to miss God's heart and his intention. Fear causes us to really not even look for God's heart or God's intention in the matter. The the distorted facts caused Herod to miss God's heart and his intention, um, even for him personally, because Jesus came for Herod's sins too. When Jesus showed up here to save mankind from their sins, Herod, his sins were eligible for Jesus's sacrifice to pay for them. But his fear of losing control, not only of his kingdom, his position, his career, but even his personal life, he did not want anything to do with a loss of control. Um, have you ever noticed that high, the high end emotion of fear keeps you from seeing another person's perspective or looking at their intentions and maybe giving others the benefit of the doubt? Got a question for you. Could you write a script? To replace scripture. I know that we won't do that because the Bible says not to do that. But if you could, and if you could make it where Herod chose to accept this newborn king as a spiritual messiah. How would the storyline play out? How would of all of history, how would early church history played out if Herod could stop for one moment, not be controlled by fear, not trying to uh, assume the attention behind this newborn king, that it wasn't political, but it was rather spiritual, how would the history books look differently? Um, Jesus never came to strip Herod from his throne. He had no political ambition whatsoever, but rather he came to ask for his worship. Jesus came to ask for his heart. Jesus came to ask for a relationship with Herod, just like he did that for you and for me. He's got that same intention. You see, when Jesus knocks on our heart, when he shows up in our lives, when we're confronted by his Holy Spirit, he's not asking for your Friday nights. He's not trying to take that away from you, but rather he's asking for your worship. He's not trying to ask you for your alcohol when he shows up in your life, but rather he's asking you for your heart. Um, He's not asking you for your remote control. That you can only watch what he wants you to watch, but rather he's asking for a relationship. He's not asking for your too expensive vehicle, but rather he's asking to be a part of your life. You see, that's what Jesus comes to do. He comes to have a relationship with you and me. We don't come to Christ by giving up a bunch of stuff. And that is the misconception of people who have constantly said no out of fear of saying yes to God because they're afraid that God's just going to take everything I love away from me. That's the way God works. He just is a killjoy. He doesn't want me to have any fun. And friends, I want to let you know that that is not the God that we serve. What ends up happening, however, is we say yes to relationship. We say yes to him having our heart. And what ends up happening is what we love starts to change. What we want to do starts to change. He starts to change us from the inside out. He doesn't take it from you. He changes you. He changes you. No one is asking you to give up all these things that you think on your list of things that God's going to take from you. God just wants a relationship with you. And yet, you can't see that from God's perspective out of fear of losing control, just like Herod. Herod did not want to lose the kingship. He didn't want to lose his authority, his rulership. And so he held on tightly and he went in full-on attack on all of the babies hoping to kill the king of the Jews. Here's another thing. Here's another pitfall that fear Does and we see this in Herod's life? Fear takes you out of the game. Fear takes you out of the game. Joseph and Mary they pick up infant Jesus and get out of dodge at the command of the angel. They are in Egypt as a refugee. Um, there's There's been plenty of people that have had to leave the land as refugees. Probably in Egypt there was whole camps filled with people just trying to make it as a refugee in a foreign land. And more than likely, Mary and Joseph found themselves in the middle of some um, refugee camp just trying to make it by. I don't think it was a fun summer vacation. I don't think they had their other home over there or anything like that. No, it was a struggle. And they went there out of obedience to save baby Jesus's life. And it wasn't, uh, you know, like crossing state lines um, where everyone over there is going to be just like us. There was different languages spoken. It was a difficult run. Nevertheless, this doesn't last super long because here's the point. In verse 19 and 20, it says, Now when Herod was dead... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Egypt, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. There's no real description of the details of Herod after this moment. Um, after this in uh, inf- um, genocide on all of these babies, after his murderous uh, effect and edict went into um, you know, effect. Um, they they estimate that probably twenty or thirty babies that age in the Bethlehem area in the vicinity were killed, probably very quickly. Um, after all of this was done, you don't hear anything more of Herod. It just says that he dies. Um, it's actually kind of disappointing um, because Herod. Um, You know, he didn't go on and achieve any more greatness that we know of. Um, He didn't get some more power in Rome. We didn't hear about him mucky-muckying up with these other leaders that they wanted to be like. Um, We don't hear that um, Herod was overthrown or killed by something that he believed in. He didn't die for any cause. It just says he died. That's all He was all up in arms about this. He's freaking out. He's killing everyone's babies. And it just says he dies. No storyline that make you feel like Herod's worries um, about his throne being threatened were warranted or addressed in any way. He's all worried about losing his kingdom and he ends up losing it anyway. It just goes off on to the next heir and the next heir, and probably some other overthrow. And it just didn't even matter. And Herod was willing to throw away any hope of salvation, any hope of a relationship with God, any hope of learning anything about something of eternity, all because he could not get his eyes off from the fear that wanted him to hold on to his own kingdom. Your fears and arguing with God are absolutely fruitless. Did you hear me? You're arguing with God. Your fears are absolutely fruitless and will not impact God's plan at all, except for his awesome plans for you. That's the only thing you have power over. You can continually say no to God out of fear. And the only thing you're affecting, my friend, is you. You're the only one that's going to miss out. You're the only one who's going to go off into oblivion and there's going to be nothing more that's said of you then. And they died. Just like good old Herod. Um, He just died. The Lord wants for you to be saved. The Lord wanted Herod to be saved. The Lord came to die for Herod's sins too. He wanted a relationship with him. And he wants a relationship with you. But boy, the presence of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, really brought about this delusional fear to Herod. This presence of God caused fear inside of him that he just could not release. And so my question for you and even for me here is, has fear of God's presence or his message distorted the facts for you? Can you not see the facts for the way they are? Can you not look at the Bible? Can you not look at the um, aspects of your life where God's been knocking on the door of your heart Can you not see the facts on it? Um, Does it cause you to miss God's heart? Have you just been thinking that God's only about trying to take my fun away, take my control away, my authority, instead of a relationship? Um, Has it caused you um, to take you out of the game? Has it taken you out of the game, your fear of God? You see, God wants to do so much in and through you. He has plans that that you would just blow your mind and you'd be so excited about the stuff He wants to do through you. And you would find that serving the Lord is more fulfilling than any kingdom or throne you think you're holding on to. Because there's coming a day when um, the presence of God is going to be so all up in your face and you've continually rejected it out of fear that you might lose control of your own kingdom. The Lord wants to not take your kingdom, but he wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you eternal kingdom. And there is, there's nothing on this earth that's worth sacrificing that for. So I'm going to ask you as we conclude this Christmas present Series that if you've yet to say yes to Jesus, if you've uh, if you if you've not yet invited Him into your life and accept the work He did for you on the cross, would you pray a prayer that says yes to Him? There's no magical prayer. There's no words I can pray that's perfect for you. But God will see your desire. He will see your desire to say yes to Him. He will see your desire to say, "I'm tired of running. I'm tired of holding on to my own little kingdom." That uh, needs to be, that's standing in the way of eternal life. And he wants to invite you into relationship. So I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Lord, I pray right now that you would receive me as a son or a daughter of God, and that you would forgive me of my sin. I pray, Lord, that you would come into my life and that you would take these kingdoms, these things that I've been holding on to and afraid to give to you till this moment, Lord, and I give them to you. And Lord, I know that you will probably be start bringing changes in my life and I welcome them because Lord, I want to know you more. I want to be in step with you and I don't want to step in the way anymore. Lord, I reject the fear that I have a tendency to walk in and I say yes to you first in Jesus name. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, I want to be the first to say welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to the family of God. And I want to know that you did that. And I would love to talk with you more about next steps in following Jesus Christ. He's got such awesome things in store for you. Um, So uh, give me a contact at joe at rochesterlife.org and we'll connect. God bless.